Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Janet Wilson and James Elliott with me this afternoon. Lovely to have your company. Chris Hipkins was sworn in as Prime Minister today, formally completing the handover of power from Jacinda Ardern. As Jacinda Ardern left Parliament as Prime Minister for the final time this morning, heading to Government House to officially tender her resignation and shift to the backbenches. Mr Hipkins, you have assured me that you are able to lead a government that can command the confidence of the House of Representatives. I now ask you to confirm that you can lead such a government. Yes, Your Excellency. That gives effect to your appointment as Prime Minister. Congratulations, Prime Minister Hipkins. And attention will now turn to what policy tweaks Prime Minister Hipkins will make or need to make. And coinciding with his swearing in, inflation figures came out and the Consumer Price Index increased 7.2% in the 12 months to December 2022. Stats NZ said today consumer prices rose 1.4% in the three months into December, driven by high food, household and building costs. Partly offset by cheaper fuel. With us to discuss is Professor Robert McCulloch from the Faculty of Business and Economics at the University of Auckland. Professor McCulloch, kia ora. Kia ora. First, CPI out. We're seeing, what, a bit of a lift, a 1.4% lift. What sort of economic headwinds will we be seeing this year? Well, I I think the main story today is that whilst inflation has been falling in the United Kingdom and has fallen in the United States from a high of over 9% to 6 to 7%. It's not falling in this country. So what uh, I took out of these figures was the characterisation of uh, Chris Hipkin, who became Prime Minister today, that inflation in this country is a global pandemic uh, is rather misleading. Uh, In fact, inflation is now going in a different direction in this country, and in particular, food prices uh, went up uh, very strongly at a time when global food prices are dropping. So what what we should take out of it is that domestic factors seem to be playing a very large role and this characterisation that inflation in this country is some kind of pandemic where Hipkins is likening it to coronavirus, the idea being that it's entirely coming into this country from abroad and uh, he needs to do some kind of elimination policy, hmm. but it's, it's got nothing to do with what's happening in this country. That That's a rather misleading way to look at it. A lot of it's coming from domestic issues. Yeah, we talked about that uh, last week, an economist just saying that, uh, noting actually that in the US and the UK, inflation is uh, coming down a bit, but uh, not here. So uh, tell us why. What do you think uh, is is, is some of the reasons? If it's it's moving in an opposite direction, you have to look at what factors have been going on here uh, in particular, and uh, a chunk of it could probably can probably almost certainly be traced to the Reserve Bank's $50 billion money printing program, as well as the large government deficits that uh, have been incurred the last the last few years. Um, I have a sneaking suspicion. It's hard to prove this point, but but I think this gets to the root of some of the cost of living issues. A few years 
with closed uh, borders for quite a lot of the time. Um, it's hard to get the data on this, but it seems that competition might have diminished in this country because, you know, if you were an entrenched player in construction or food or many industries, uh, you know, there hasn't been that uh, flux in your industry with borders being closed, free movement of goods across borders. And one gets the feeling that some entrenched uh, business interests have become more entrenched and they may be engaging in know, increasing their prices at this time. And that would be a thoroughly sort of domestic issue. Well, that uh, is really, a, that is really something, something, quite something there, uh, Professor McCulloch. And uh, but before, we go, before we go to our panel, um, you've got no data on that. That's just a hunch? Well, there's, there is some anecdotal evidence. Um, you had... Big players, for example, in construction like Fletcher's, and of course it's hard during the virus for overseas construction companies to get going, and Fletcher's uh, strong, you know, dominant market position was enhanced, if anything, they're still sitting on 70 million bucks of wage subsidy, so they're actually given a subsidy. One of the most dominant players in construction was given a subsidy that it's uh, kept during coronavirus. Also, during uh, coronavirus days, of course, it was illegal to buy food during the lockdowns from anyone but the big supermarket chains. Well, a lot of small operators um, couldn't compete with them by law during that time. So, you know, there, there is some, you know, very strong bits of evidence suggesting from food to construction, which, by the way, are driving quite a bit of this uh, CPI increase, okay. that it's been hard to compete with these, these dominant players, and they might be even more dominant now. Very interesting angle of that, uh, Janet Wilson. It is indeed. Professor McCulloch, I'm, I'm keen to get your views on um, whether the Reserve Bank should or will give a 75 basis points rise in the official cash rate next month, or have we peaked, as some economists are claiming, and we could be overcooking the economy by continuing to give these rate rises? Um, my uh, view on that um, concurs with what you're saying. My view is more dovish that uh, rather than engineering a recession, we should be doing our best to avoid a recession because they come at enormous costs and right. OCR rises put terrible burdens onto households with their mortgage increases. And when we see inflation yeah. dropping overseas, if you take the government at their word that there's a big overseas element in it, well, according to their own logic, if it's coming down in other countries, there, there may be a, a good chance it will also come down here uh, for similar reasons. I mean, supply chain issues are beginning to dissipate. Oil is coming off its highs, global food prices are dropping. So my, my view is that they should not increase the OCR by such a large amount. And they're, they're kind of making up for m mistakes they made a year and a half ago where they didn't go hard on inflation and now they're trying to prove themselves by going too hard. So I, I don't think they should increase the OCR by that amount, maybe by the, at, at the absolute most by, say, 25 basis points. But um, I'm, I'm more a dove on this issue and, and more in favour of a soft landing, not a hard landing. Landing in a deep recession. Okay, soft landing uh, is what it should be, says uh, uh, Robert McCulloch from uh, the University of Auckland. James Elliott. Well, I was reflecting on when it was that I first became aware of what inflation was, and I was thinking that was probably back in the late mid to late 80s, time of big hair, big shoulder pads, and big <laughs> inflation. 
The inflation we had back then, 1985, 15.47%. 1986, 13%. 1987, 15.47%. First mortgage rates were 20%. You were thrilled if they come under 19%. And I wonder if that then calibrates your thinking over time about, you know, well, that era was, we got through that. Uh, you know, how does that relate to now? But that, but that was my first memory. Robert? Well, you're, quite, you're quite right. Uh, inflation has been a lot higher than, than it was now. And, you know, you can, when it goes up to sort of 15, 20%, as it did in many countries in the early 80s, you can think uh, there was a, a strong view in the world that they had to break these inflation expectations. That it was just so high. And in the US, they did the thing called the Volcker disinflation to try to break this, this inflationary cycle. But as you say, that was because inflation was nearing 20%. But we're nowhere near that kind of level. And I think, I think the main risk is that they're going to overdo it, uh, even though inflation, it's, it's high, but it's not, as you say, at that kind of uh, a level as the early 80s. Yes, yeah, someone says, Jeff says, uh, this, I agree with this guy, big dominant players are setting benchmarks and following the second-hand house prices rise in an undersupplied market. The Reserve Bank increased liquidity and slow response to interest rates being increased is the other big factor in my view. So, anyway, the bread and butter uh, election, the, bre- the, year, <laughs> the bread and butter year, I guess, Robert, um, what does the new Prime Minister need to do or will be wanting to do? What are the options? Well, he's squarely uh, rebranding Labour, if you like, away from the uh, Dern, uh, the kindness, the sorts of things that were associated very much with her personally. And he, they've identified uh, in these surveys that the cost of living is the number one concern. And issues like the environment have fallen down the ladder now. So he seems to be changing, saying, look, Labour have moved away from the previous approach of the, you know, well-being and we're just going straight for economics. And in that sense, he's going head for head with, with Luxon, head to head with National that we're, we're both going to be on the cost of living and getting it down, and he's going to try to compete, I think, head-to-head with Luxon in trying to offer you know, solutions to, to that problem. But, but they've both got a, a, an issue with you know, how do they solve the cost of living, these cost-of-living issues, because if it is due to competition problems, that's quite a deep structural problem. And it's not something that either either leader has given any you know strong prop- uh, proposals to for reform. Uh, the competition reforms seem rather weak uh, so far, and uh, my view is the Commerce Commission is quite quite gutless. So you know I haven't heard from any party leader uh, that kind of rhetoric that they're going to go hard on these, these anti-competition okay. issues. Interesting. Very interesting angle there, uh, Professor McCulloch. Kia for your time uh, today. That's uh, Robin McCulloch there, Faculty of Business and Economics at the University of Auckland. Got to have a quick response to you both because you both would have been following it. So, uh, new Prime Minister sworn in. Just briefly around the panel before we move on. How do you feel the year's going to pan out? Janet Wilson. Um, I think it's going to be a hell of a political year. I think it's going to be a big political year. Uh, it was shaping up, as someone described it a couple of weeks ago, before um, Jacinda Ardern stepped down, as the sidecar election, where the smaller parties were going to be the ones that get the runs. But it's, I think it's shaping up to be an old-fashioned, the two major parties, as, he, as Professor McCulloch said, head-to-head on the same issue. 
Now, the answers they come up with have got to be more innovative than some of the stuff we're hearing from them at the moment. Although, as McCulloch says, there's not a lot that any government can do when it comes to inflation. I thought it was really terrifying to hear him talk about the lack of competition in the business market. That, I think that's I, really concerning. I thought that was the most interesting aspect and one thing I'd like to sort yeah. of pick up on actually uh, later on in other shows on the panel. Brief response, James? Well, first of all, that audio we had of him being sworn in, I've never heard that audio before. That was really interesting to me to hear that. So he's been sworn in and is he prepared now to be sworn at? I guess is the question that we look is the ugliness is the ugliness of what we've experienced is is that going to dissipate or is the genie out of that bottle now is question. all of that behaviour legitimised now and we'll find out and yeah red Chris blue Chris head to head yeah nineteen mm. past four the panel on RNZ National well the school term kicks off soon and with it the costs kick off the cost of that blazer. The cost of that jumper, wait, two jumpers, maybe more. The price of school uniforms is an absolute barrier to education for many whānau. And it doesn't stop there. Stationary donations, uh, devices. But what does it take for a school to reduce the burden on families? To discuss, principal at Middle School West Auckland, Warren Cook. Kia ora, Warren. Kia ora, how are you? Very well. And you do things a little bit differently. A little bit differently, um, yeah, and everything else kind of the same. Yeah. So tell us uh, yeah. a bit more about that. Tell us, firstly, about uniforms. Uh, the parents uh, of families or the families that have kids going to your school, they don't supply their uniforms or don't pay for them. No, no, and, and that's something that, that, that we've been doing since, since we've started. Um, yeah, so, you know, we've been doing that for around seven, eight years now. How does that work? Uh, well, it means that we don't have or we don't do what other schools may be doing, you know. So so we we prioritise um, uniform for the kids. We prioritise stationery for the kids. And, and of course, that, that comes at a cost where, um, you know, we don't have a caretaker. Um, I, I have minimal admin staff, so you know, like we we have to give give the Paul to take away from Arthur. You might as well say, you know, yeah. So yeah, so uh, you prioritise the kids at all costs. Uh, so that means stationery first. It means uh, uniforms first. Uh, we've got a panel yeah. with us, uh, Ron. Let's uh, jump into them first. Uh, uh, Janet. Um. Your thinking clearly was pupil forward, as um, to use the modern parlance, isn't it? Because you didn't want. What was your reasoning behind this move? Because you'd have to have given up quite a bit to have mm. ensured that it occurred. Yeah, I, I, I suppose myself uh, personally, um, I, I strongly believe that every every kid in our country deserves an education, and I don't want anything from stopping them from getting that. Yeah, James. Well, my parenting tip is to make friends with the parents of kids who are bigger than your kids. That'll be the that will be the first thing. The hand me downs, the second hand. Oh, yeah. Try and try and tap into that informal network. But I, my memory of boarding school is, you know, you must wear this shirt when you're playing music. You must wear these pants on Tuesdays and Thursdays. This jacket on a Friday. This because if we, we standardise some basic elements of uniform, then economies surely economies of scale would be able to kick in, and you can still have the 
individual recognition for your school for this or that. But what is it, three hundred and seventy dollars for a blazer? And how many blazers will a child? Oh, how many growth spurts will the, a child the go costs through? Costs something, and you can see already on Facebook. You know, people are really asking. Uh, they're asking sort of for for you know who's got the spare and who's got that spare. Mm. You know, to avoid these really uh, what some might see as quite prohibitive costs. Do you think, uh, Warren, that costs on these families would stop or prohibit uh, some every 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 now and then kids from even coming to school? Um, yeah, because you know, like all all schools um, funding is different. You know, it's all you know the decile or the equity rating, and you know the size of the school and all that. Um, and so, yeah, you know, the, the, our our kids here, they um, like they all send themselves to school. Um, like, there's um, no one no one to say goodbye to them in the morning. And when they finish school and go home, there's no one, no one at home to, to say hello. And why? Because everybody has to work. Yeah. And um, and and if I can help alleviate that in any way for the families, well, um, yeah, just something as small as a uniform and stationery, I'll I'll give it a nudge. Yeah. So both parents are often working these long days. Oh, look, oh. You can talk to any school here in well. I'm out in West West Auckland, and and uh, they'll say the same. And and like I get kids, you know, waltzing in at nine thirty, ten o'clock, and why are you late? And they go, oh, there was no one there to wake me up, or you know, something like that. And it's yeah, it's it's just the, the sad way that that life is at the moment. Yeah, Warren, you can hear the care. That's fantastic. Good for you, Warren. Hmm. Yeah, well, I suppose I know it goes back to when I was a kid and I was raised by a solo mother. And, um, yeah, she was always there to send me off and welcome me home. Um, and, you know, um, those those small things are really valuable. And, um, and, and like, I know after school and, 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 if the, and if the kids are going home to an empty house, they won't go straight home. They will go and muck around somewhere, and that's where quite a few of my kids get into trouble, even though they're not actually planning on getting into trouble. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Warren, I really appreciate your time on the panel this afternoon. Thanks for making time for us here. Cool. No worries. Thank you. That's uh, Warren Cook there, principal at Middle School West Auckland. So they don't, uh, well, they supply the uniform, stationery and such. Like they make that a priority. I'm just wondering if that... Because the conversation now is uh, turns to whether or not uh, we need uniforms. Um, I, I don't know about you, just briefly uh, around the panel on that. I mean, I went to a very strong uniform. I personally loved uh, having a uniform. I loved it. You know, your blazer and your nice white shirt and your trousers, your belt there. Um, what about you, Janet? Yeah, I, I loves me a good uniform. And the reason for that is, is that, it doesn't give any social markers or or put any of the children out as being better or worse or different from anybody else. That's the reason why we have uniforms, isn't it? So that we can all we can all be there on an even playing field. Although someone, someone said it does if you're second hand. It does if you've got second hand. Yeah, possibly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uniforms are there to be a leveller. 
that's what they're but if if they've been an obstacle and you, you you're actually not going to school because all right um, so pro uniform can't afford it yeah i guess i'm just reflecting on warren it said the interconnectedness of these things you know we got we went from uniforms into sort of the socio socioeconomic backgrounds of the children themselves so these things are you know massively massively connected what do you together. think the panel that could be a question of the day couldn't it uh, do you think that hearing warren there and hearing the, the number of parents that are doing it hard is it time for uniforms to go? Text me at 2101. Now, 27 past four. I just want to sort of uh, just just have a quick chat about this. This happened yesterday on TVNZ Breakfast. Now, uh, New Zealand Breakfast Show hosts, uh, uh, they used a Donald Trump doll as target practice for a salt gun. That's a gun that fires salt. Used to, you know, uh, tickle flies, apparently. Here's the clip. Okay, Donald Trump says, Oh! Hey! Hey! So get a little, uh, a little doll, a little Donald Trump doll, yep. and go hard. So the issue was broached by Colin Peacock of Media Watch this morning on RNZ. In some ways, pretty harmless sort of gag, isn't it? Uh, but it outraged many on social media that in a time when politicians are being targeted, the tone, well, felt a bit wrong. David Seymour, uh, for example, saying, you have to see this to believe it. Crew shooting a doll of a politician and encouraging others to do it. Trump's not my favourite politician either. But is this the same TVNZ that's been complaining about the abuse of politicians for the last week? Insane was David Seymour's view. I thought, well, I'll go around the panel on this. Uh, Janet Wilson, what do you think? I mean, as a media commentator, is this, look, it's just a bit of a laugh um, or is there something someone should have spotted it? Well, I I think it's terrible virtue signalling, frankly. It's okay to do it to Donald Trump. But Donald Trump represents all politicians across the board, and I think Seymour's got an absolute point there, that um, when everyone's been lamenting the way that the the, the former Prime Minister was treated, and suddenly we're we're bashing up the the politician we love to hate on camera with a salt gun. It's just, I I think if I had been the executive producer of that programme, I probably wouldn't have allowed it to go through. But are we being a bit po-faced here? You know, that wasn't the no. it, wasn't, it wasn't the intention, was it? It buys into a narrative, though, doesn't it? It buys into a narrative. It's okay to beat up politicians, is the is what's intimated. Can I just point out the obvious thing that Donald Trump toy was being peppered by a salt gun? That's my starting point. <laughs> I wouldn't. Wallace is just looking at me with. Despair on his face. Fabulous. But no, I wouldn't want uh, this this to be anything about opposing the right of people to own salt guns. Of course, as we know, that salt guns don't shoot the dolls. It's the TV presenters that shoot the dolls. That's right. That's right. That's right. What if, I mean, someone, someone, James, someone said, imagine the outrage if American breakfast TV show hosts took turns shooting a Jacinda Ardern doll with salt guns while laughing and mocking her. Yeah, I I imagine there'd be some outrage. Maybe Fox News have already done that. I'm not sure. Would that be, but (laughs) is that, does Janet Wilson have a real fair point here? 
Yeah, well, uh, Janet, do you have a fair point there? I'm asking, I'm asking you. <laughs> you, can, you can pass judgment on that, James. Would you, as a no, producer... No, you're making me perilously close to as agreeing a, with David Seymour, and a, it just makes me a, feel well, uncomfortable. As a producer, <laughs> if you were the producer, James, the other yes, day, yes. what would you have done? What would yes. you have said after the show? Oh, I'd just make sure I took the salt gun home on my own, I think, probably, and the doll. Just did it, did it in the privacy of my own home. Yeah, not good TV. So you don't... All right, okay. Uh, What do you think? If you saw it, uh, what did you make of it? Anyway, uh, you are on the panel on RNZ National with James Elliott and Janet Wilson.